Before we begin today's episode, we would like to say thank you to our sponsor, Swanshaw. They are the finest purveyors of kitchen units and shop fronts alike in the UK. If you need a brand new kitchen or a new shop front, please consider visiting Swanshaw on Instagram. You can find them under the handle of at Swanshaw. Now to today's episode. And welcome to the Therapy Files. We are back for another episode. And I, of course, am always joined with my dearest colleague, Callum. How are you, Callum? Hello, Craig. I'm very well. It's really chilly on death row, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is. Because... Who thinks going in first? Me or you? Definitely me. Definitely you. Okay. Because I will wheel you in. I'm sure you'd love to press the button. No. (laughs) I'd sit and watch. I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... We've uh, flown to America for this. You proceeding. made an assumption there. There's more than one death row in the world. But yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll have I America. I did that specifically so you could say that. Ah, uh, okay, okay, fair enough. We're now in Miami, everybody. It's a bit hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's cold in the cells now. Yes. I can see the priest just about walking. Me too. Yes. So anyway, Craig, we are on the death penalty. We are. We're actually not in America. We're in the conservatory. Yes. Yeah. Um, closest thing to it, though. Indeed, indeed. Episode 21 will be the death penalty. Um, I think we should start with the history Absolutely. of the death yeah, penalty. That's a really good idea. The death penalty has been part of humanity since societies were first established. Yeah. Did We've you? always been cruel, haven't we? No, it, yeah. well, I didn't know that, but I sp- per se, in terms of uh, like theoretical, but it makes complete sense, doesn't it? When we were kind of researching the podcast, it, you know, humans have a very long track record of, well, killing one another and often using consequences as a way to kill somebody mm. as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And often burying people in really random places. Yes, yes. Such as Richard III under a car park. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I don't think Richard III was executed, as far as I know. I don't think he was. But no. it was just something to mention. King Charles II was, wasn't he? I think yeah, he, he was, was, yes. Yeah. You know, my nana was actually related to him just Really? Yeah, my nana is, I think she was like something like her 10th cousin. Lucy Walter was actually his mistress. Oh she bore a son by him. Hello, and we are now on the Who Do You Think You Are <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. All very interesting, guys. So technically, you all have to be nice to me because I've got royalty in me, you know. He wishes. He wishes. No, I don't. <laughs> I certainly do not. I know you're such an anti-royalist. I am, I certainly am. But anyway, we're getting past the point here. The early death penalty laws. First established the death penalty laws, and they date back as far as the 18th century BC in the code of King Humambri. You, yeah, you're on the right lines, yeah. Humambri. Humambri of Babylon, which codified the death penalty for 25 different crimes. The death penalty was also part of the 14th century BC's Hittile Code. Yeah. Callum, why do you put such difficult words in my mouth? Well, you know, it's, it's better than what you usually put in there. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Too much fat, not enough vegetables, dear listener. There's nothing wrong with fat, if you're listening, Marilyn, just for the record. And in the 7th century BC, it was a draconian code of Athens which made death the only punishment for all crimes. And in the 5th century BC, Roman law 
of the 12 tables, or the t- 12 tablets. I do apologise. <laughs> Craig's been watching too much Lord and Stone. <laughs> yeah, so too much. Death sentences were carried out by such means as crucifixion, drowning, beating to death, burning alive, and impalement. See, when you say impalement, all I can think of is that scene in Frozen where Olaf says, Oh, look at that. I've been impaled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, Olaf never dies, although he does melt. Um, in the 10th century AD, hanging became the usual method of execution in Britain. In the following century, William the Conqueror would not allow persons to be hanged or otherwise executed for any crime except in times of war. This trend would not last for the 16th century. Under the reign of Henry VIII, as many as 72,000 people are estimated to have been executed. Some common methods of execution at this time were boiling. Mm. Oh my word. What a way to go, eh? Yeah. Burning at the stake. Hanging, beheading, and hanging, drawing, and quartering. Yeah, that's how uh, Guy Fawkes was killed. Yes, yeah. That's quite something, that. Um, For our American listeners, by the way, that was a, uh, a very significant event in Britain. Uh, where we had a, I guess what, was a traitor who was actually more of a freedom fighter, to be honest. He had a very good point, who wanted to blow up the Houses of Parliament and uh, was subsequently captured and, yeah, hung, drawn and watered. Mm. And that's why we have bonfire night every year. So executions were carried out for such capital offences as marrying a Jew. Wow. Based on, like, religion. Oh, my gosh, wow. And not confessing to a crime and treason. Mm-hmm. Guy Fawkes, here is the obvious example. Um, But, of course, there were many different types of execution, particularly in Britain. There was death by hanging, firing squad, decapitation, with a nice little, um, what's the guillotine? The guillotine, yeah, it was very popular in France, wasn't it? It was. Poor Marie Antoinette lost her That's right, she did. Yeah. Lethal injection. Mm, That's more of what's used today, isn't it? That's very popular in America, particularly. Yeah, and gas chambers. And all I can think about when I think about gas chambers is the Holocaust. Yeah, absolutely awful. And we, we got those methods from Society's Final Solution, A History and Discussion of the Death Penalty, by Randa in 1997, and also... Mishra A, 2001, The Death Penalty, A Punishment or a Problem. I'll now hand over to Callum. Thank you very much. So, kind of looking at the United Kingdom, um, the Human Rights Act formally abolished the death penalty in the UK. This means that a public official, including the police or courts, cannot execute someone or sentence them to death as punishment for something they have done. This applies in all circumstances, including during peacetime and in times of conflict. The death penalty is sometimes referred to as capital punishment, um, which I'm sure people have heard on many occasions people use those terms. Um, sentencing a person to death is considered to be a violation, a direct violation to the right of life and the right to freedom from torture and inhumane or degrading treatment in the United Kingdom and Europe, which are both also protected under the Human Rights Act. The Human Rights Act also means that the UK cannot extradite people, that is, deport people to stand trial in another country if there is a risk that they could be sentenced to death or executed. Capital punishment was used in the UK from the ancient times until the second half of the 20th century. Capital punishment was suspended in the UK in 1964. Crimes a person could be executed for originally were as small as theft to murder and high treason. In post-war Britain, the death penalty was used in the course of furtherance of theft. 
Interesting. They're very interesting. Absolutely fascinating. Mm. Other, t- other, re- other reason why it could be used as well was by shooting or causing an explosion while resisting arrest or during an escape of a police officer by a prisoner as well who they had detained. The second two murders committed on different occasions if both done in Great Britain as well. Ruth Ellis was the last woman to be executed for murdering her husband in 1955. Before its abolishment, the UK used hanging to carry out executions. That was brought to us by Webb 2011, Execution, A History of Capital Punishment in Britain. I would highly recommend that book. It's really, really good and it's not overly complicated as well. Uh, I remember reading it when I was doing criminology when we did a module on um, the death penalty and it was was really informative. Did you actually have a full module on on the death penalty? Yeah, so it was about representations on death row, essentially. It was really interesting. I would have loved to. Yeah, it was fascinating it was, and it was kind of like death row all across the world as well so you got an idea of like how different cultures so in say uh, kind of MENA for example um, North Africa and um, Middle East a lot of common way people are killed now is decapitation or by stoning have you heard of that before? Yeah. That you stoned someone to death. So it was interesting to see the different cultural narratives surrounding that. I found it really fascinating. Stoning sounds particularly painful and very prolonging. Absolutely. I think that was kind of the idea of it, was to make the person suffer for as long as humanly possible before they're obviously death. Mm. United, in the United States, probably the most well-recognised country in the West that uses the, the death penalty. As of 2021, the death penalty is now only operational in certain states in the United States. These include Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. Uh, did I put Florida in there? Is it still active in Texas? It certainly is. Yeah. Actually, death row, um, Texas has the highest execution rate it really does, yeah. And it's actually got the highest murder rate as well, so it just shows the death penalty doesn't work. Oh. Uh, it's also in, in Florida as well, which I don't think I put on that. So that's unusual. Inmates are housed on death row for 10 years before their execution is carried out in case new evidence comes to light to exonerate them. Women and men are held in different areas of each death row sentence of the prison section of the prison. The United States currently uses the lethal injection to execute inmates. The death penalty in America has been criticised for being costly as many executions are not carried out. Badeau and Castle, 2005, debating the death penalty was where that came from as well. That's another really good source that I'd recommend also. Uh, and we're now on to the necessary evil section, which Craig is going to take over for me. Excellent. The idea of the death penalty being a, a positive thing in some ways is that it deters violent crime. Um, It provides an outcome for the victim and their family of the crime that has befallen them. The convicted party will not be a danger to society anymore. Um, And that's particularly a good thing. Not that I'm a proponent for it either way, but that was from Robert Roberton, um, 2002. He wrote a book called Tears from Heaven, Voices from Hell, The Pros and Cons of the Death Penalty. Callum, what is it about research? You always find the most lyrical book titles. I guess I'm just a a sucker poetic. Yes. The poetic side of life. Yeah. But also, we have to consider, is it inhumane? And the death penalty has actually been found not to deter violent crime within Texas, having the highest execution rate in America, but also the highest murder rate. That's what I was saying before, ironically. Yeah, I think you were, weren't you? It eliminates the possibility of rehabilitation, um, which I think is really important Mm. because 
looking at the idea of where people are housed, Absolutely. i.e. prisons. Yeah. Little sneak peek towards the next episode. Yeah, we'll be looking um, at prisons. Prisons were primarily sort of like rehabilitation centres. Yes, they were. that's what they were designed for originally. Yeah. And I guess death row goes against the very notion of that. It, it does, it does. It's like, we believe that this is not rehabilitation yeah. worthy. Mm-hmm. But also, innocent people are often wrongly convicted and executed. And believe me, that does happen yeah. more than you might think. Very, very common. And most people on death row are from minority groups. Interesting. Mm. But not surprising. Definitely not surprising. Definitely not in some ways. Conditions are often in, inhumane and abuse is common. More so from the officers. That's right, the guards. It's very common to see beatings, starvation from food and for the cells to be kept um, in poor living conditions as well. People may argue that that might be rightly or wrongly for the convicted felon but I would also argue that under the death penalty law and this is why I'm really critical of it a person has a right to a, a and I'm using this in inverted commas a humane execution and experience mm, yeah there's a lot of botched executions. absolutely yeah I agree this, that's very common isn't it mm, yeah so that was from Stearman who wrote a debate about the death penalty but also we come to the meat of the episode here and actually discuss counselling ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ、ぜひ
because of the helpies predicament predicament almost feels not strong enough of a word yeah I mean what word could you I mean <laughs> godly plight maybe yes might be more thingy but I, I suppose it is a predicament however we dress it up mm. But counselling and the use of unconditional positive regard shows the helpie and the condemned as accepting them for who they are and not their previous actions. I.e., that is to say, they accept them as a person who has done something bad, mm-hmm. but that a person is not fully bad. Is that mm-hmm. right? I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You accept them for the person that they are as opposed to the situation that they've created for themselves. Mm-hmm. And Cully and Bond, 2011 define acceptance as valuing the healthy as a human being and not judging them through their look or actions, but instead differentiating the person from their actions and valuing individuality. How did you reference Bully and Con? Uh, Bully. <laughs> You're keeping that in. You're keeping that in. How Bully and Con. Two Cully and Sim Con. <laughs> Two bully and sim cond. How how did you reference Bully and Bond 2011? Because I have your book. Well, you know, it's it was uh, over ten years ago that you were having some. I did not tell you this, Craig, but uh, some of this data comes off one of my very old criminology assignments. You're holding a piece of academic history there. Oh, I feel so privileged. Right I'll send now. you one. Yes, please. I mean, don't judge my writing. I was like 17, 18. Gosh, no, no, I would never judge you. It was a poster we did on um, on death row inmates' rights, actually. Oh, right. Okay. Mm, it's quite interesting, actually. A poster? Mm, an academic poster. Have you ever seen one before? Not that I'm aware. Oh, okay, well, I'll send it to you. But, okay. yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of interesting stuff on there. We, we spoke about kind of, from inmates' perspective, who've been on death row, we put, like, kind of their last words that they said on there, their last meals that they ate on there, because people have right to their own choice of what their last meal is. Quite powerful, actually. Yeah, it sounds like And to continue on with the technique mm-hmm. that's used in counselling, congruence also assists the helper by allowing them to be genuine towards the helpy, showing the prisoner that the helper is being their self with them, making a trusting, helping relationship. This helps the condemned by this helps the condemned by the helper being real with them and not hiding behind the professional role. And Rogers, nineteen seventy three, is cited in Mans and Thorn, or just Mans at that point, and saying, "I trust the genuineness of the helpee is the most vital component of helping relationship. The helper is at their most ordinary and natural. Maybe nothing else is significant." in that context it's quite interesting I can tell how young I was there because I was still using as cited like you would never catch that in any of my assignments no I, I still use as cited Do unfortunately really? I don't know if it's a bad thing or not. I, I haven't just... written properly for some time maybe not so. maybe I need a writing masterclass from you me? yeah grief you're starting at the very bottom of the pile there <laughs> you think I'm going to be writing masterclass <laughs> Uh, but it, that point actually reminds me of something that Callum actually has said to me in the past about congruence mm-hmm. being almost something that's really difficult to achieve. Absolutely. And, I, you know, from a death row perspective, if you're a counsellor on there, because I, I know there, I'm aware there are therapists who work on death row. It's something I'd love to do, actually. But And I was just thinking, and I'll come back to it then, something about therapeutic relationship after knowing that the client would die. It's mm. quite quite strong, isn't it? The final you know, The attachment ending. and stuff like that. 
I was thinking kind of from a congruent perspective, I suppose that'd be really important because you, you would say to them, like, I am appalled by what you've done, but I still, I'm going to offer you that UPR. Mm-hmm. You know, that unconditional positive regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And counselling, I think it's important to say, does not look to cure the condemned, but assist them in finding closure. Empathic presence is vital on death row because it allows the helper to be there for the helpy throughout and free from judgment, allowing the helper place to be themselves in the helpy's position. Attending skills support conveying of the core values through allowing the maintaining of eye contact and active listening. There is a lot of sensitivity involved in active listening, which is essential on death row as a conversation may be difficult and require effective listening. Reflective skills support conveying of core values through paraphrasing, reflecting what the helpy has said back to them, giving the helper or the helpee greater understanding of their situation. McLeod, 2007, argues that counselling skills are communication that happens in private and interactive settings between two individuals, providing the helpy with the occasion to look at fragments of their lives that are concerning them. The central idea, then, of embedded counselling skills is talking. And for me, Callum, as a trainee... Callum's the qualified one. Can you explain a little more about attending skills? Certainly, yeah. So attending skills, basically, I kind of put itself on the box. It's about how you attend to the client's needs in that moment. So, um, for example, for an inmate on death row um, or a client on death row, you'd be looking at their environment, how it's impacting them personally, professionally. Um, well, maybe not even professionally because I don't know how that would work. But I suppose if you're working with the guard, for example, on there, you might be quite interested in you take their environment into consideration and what their needs would be, what can you give them from the therapy that would attend to their needs, if that makes sense. So if a, if a person knows they're going to die, it might be about helping them prepare for the inevitable, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It's very painful, very powerful, and very striking if you take it to a death row perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Did you ever interview a therapist? that's worked on death row in no. that module never no I'd love to though um, you probably more commonly find things like priests things like that but I imagine that must be so hard for the therapeutic relationship because you know as much as we try to keep professional line with our clients knowing that they're going to die that's got to take some real desensitisation and, and serious drawing of the professional line hasn't it of course especially if Rogers is asking us to show non-possessive love to our clients mm. you know non-possessive love that's you know. that's quite a technical phrase yeah absolutely <laughs> So we're going to just discuss trauma on death row, psychological trauma, um, and kind of give a bit of an idea to the listener about how, I guess, that manifests, really. Um, so after the sentence of death is passed, we discover a phenomenon to make any physician shudder. Death sentences create a grisly wet reservoir of condemned men living in unbelievable stress in a situation commonly known as death row, and that's by West, 1975. Micro effects are the physical trauma of being in a dangerous environment, abused by other offenders, prison guards, and self-harming. Psychological trauma may involve isolation through segregation, depression, helplessness, and suicidal ideation. Macro effects on those close to the prisoner are the trauma of knowing they will die, knowing they are locked away in a dangerous environment. They may feel responsible and helpless as there is nothing they can do. Death row will shatter the individual's assumptive world how they, and this means how they expect the world to be. 
and Kaufman 2002 argues emotional trauma destroys the defence of the assumptive world's interpretations. For the condemned, their assumptions shattered our freedom, security and a way of being. This has been taken from them and knowing who they are, knowing that they are awaiting execution, will give them insight into how long they have left, conflicting with other people's assumptive worlds. Really powerful point. Mm. Um, sorry, just to clarify, was that Goffman as in Irving Goffman? No, Kaufman. Kaufman. Ah, oh, right. Kaufman. He's a, a key trauma writer, I would recommend them. Okay. Um, but what does that say to you, Craig? From that? I mean, for me, that just gives a massive feeling of helplessness and trap and trap. You are at the end. You cannot do anything. Yeah. You need to accept. There is no way out of this. Mm. Absolutely. Unless, of course, a stay of execution is ever granted. Yeah. yeah, which does happen. But can you imagine that thought of knowing that date was coming? Mm. I think I'd be sick, mm. just violently ill. You'd almost lose the will to live while Certainly. waiting for that point. Yeah, definitely. I think I think something about it's quite understandable why many inmates take their own lives before the execution is carried mm. out, isn't it? Because it's almost like it's the only thing I can control. Yeah, you know, and it's understandable with the conditions also that they do take those lives, mm. their lives away. Um, just as well, just to touch on as well, there are some popular culture um, portrayals of, of the death of death row and the death penalty. Um, examples of this are The Green Mile, uh, Law Abiding Citizen, uh, The Confession by John Grisham, the very good book, and Life on Death Row as well. Life on Death Row, was that a documentary? I think it was, yes. And can I just say, just for a moment there, that Green Mile makes me very sad. Yeah, have you read the book? No. Oh, the book's, the book's even, even sad. But just, just seeing the, the guy... The, the black John Coffey John Coffey just seeing him because you can really see that he responds to the guards mm. as an honest person yeah. and I think he was wrongly convicted mm. and that just makes me feel so sad mm. and it shows the death penalty is very fickle like that doesn't it mm. um, and interesting John Coffey is a minority and he also has a disability mm. and uh, the majority of people end up on death row and to show in particularly in the States how backward death row is on there they still use terms such as retardation mm. don't they to yeah. describe people and um, just another point that I am um, thinking about it wasn't necessarily a specific death row um, example mm. but I'm thinking about um, of mice and men mm. and George so and Lenny my, yeah 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 because all Lenny really wanted to do he wanted to pet the rabbits he wanted to tend to his rabbits didn't he <laughs> And it just goes to show that in terms of disability um, and in terms of ethnic minority, I know, I know George wasn't a... Sorry, I know Lenny wasn't um, an ethnic minority, but he certainly was disabled. It certainly feels like death row very rarely takes these things into account and it's quite a racist and ableist institution. Wasn't he portrayed as a racial minority in the film? Lenny? Yeah. No, he was portrayed by a white guy. Oh, right. I think yeah. he was anyway, unless I've seen a different film. I'm not sure. I'm sure he was portrayed by a white guy. Mm-hmm. I think, anyway. Certainly had a disability, though. Yes, definitely. So regard, regardless, you know, it's stuff very important. That, and I, I suppose, Craig, for yourself, and for myself in a way as well, being disabled on death row, I mean... Well, I mean, it's hardly going to be five-star luxury hotel, is no, it? No, no. 
We're not going to be afforded special treatment. Certainly not. Um, it's very worrying, especially when they're using words to describe disabled people as the old technical medical term, retardation. In terms Invalid. of legality, invalid. In terms of legality, it shows that it's still a very backward institution, isn't it? Mm, mm. Um, still, I suppose in, in its in its um, portrayal and in its um, enactments, it's still very medieval, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine though. Just just thinking about the approach one might use on on death row, just mm-hmm. to sidetrack slightly. Mm-hmm. I think maybe psychodynamic would be used quite a lot mm. to reflect on one's past. Mm-hmm. Because there is no more future. No, certainly not. So, or very limited one at that. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's I think one of my key criticisms of death row. Because as you know, I'm an abolitionist. So I don't agree with it at all. Um, I mean, I guess if you if you think about it from from a thingy standpoint, it just doesn't work. You know, because people end up staying on death row well past ten years. You know, yeah, um, it's a massive waste of money. It's a waste of people's lives. It's not a real sense of justice and. It's a huge enactment of revenge, isn't it? It's not it an really enactment is. of true justice. Yeah. Mm. Justice is about harmony. And and one might even argue that just by killing somebody, it could perhaps be seen to be a lesser punishment in some mm. ways. Definitely. Yeah, and I think certainly people would look at it that way, wouldn't they? Mm. Um, we're going to look at gender now as well, gender on death row, because I thought it was quite important to, to put that forward. Yes, of course. So, gender on death row. Women are rarely sentenced to death in the United States and execution of women are even rarer. Researchers have suggested that women who are sentenced to death are often perceived as breaking gender norms. As of October 1st, 2021, the NAACP Legal Defence and Educational Fund reports that there were 51 women on death row across the United States. Between 1973 and December 2020, 185 death sentences were imposed upon female offenders. These sentences constitute about 2% of all death row sentences. This is in the US alone. The 185 deaths for female offenders were imposed in 26 states by the federal government, comprising two-thirds of 39 death penalty jurisdictions during this time period. Five states, California, Florida, Texas, North Carolina and Alabama, accounted for more than half of all such sentences. Um, I just want to put out as well, um, Eileen Wernos was actually one of the most famous women executed on death row. She was one of a... She, she is was on the Oh, she, oh, is she, oh sorry, I do apologise. She's there. You're jumping ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't be eager, sorry. Eager beaver over here. Jane Chapman, 1632, was the first woman to be executed in the US. I wonder what she did. I think it was murder. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Velma Barfield, 1984, was the first modern-day woman to be executed in Virginia. Death penalty in the US is gender-neutral in the way it's written. So is that more for um, CIS, cisgenders? I.e. the law. I.e. the law, right, yeah. So it refers to they and their and person oh, rather okay. than specific gender. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's quite a good thing, actually, isn't it? Mm. Shockingly. Yeah. Of all things, the death penalty's on the ball with gender... <laughs> it's madness. What is the world? Yeah, absolutely. Agree. I thought that'd be the most backward thing ever. 
Uh, anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, death penalty in the US is gender neutral. Yeah, we've got that. There is a law that states that an individual who is pregnant cannot be executed. Yes, I was aware of that. And that obviously is because it would account for fetal destruction as well. For some reason, um, a life isn't classed as murder when it's destroyed in the in the womb. It's classed as fetal destruction. Uh, that's probably another topic for another episode, but I just mm-hmm. thought I'd put that out there. Carla Faye Tucker attracted attention for changing her religion while on death row. The last woman to be executed in Texas. What year was that? Do you have any idea? Oh, do you know what? I can't remember off okay. the top of my head. Um, if anybody knows who is more knowledgeable, do get in touch and let us know about this. Oh, good. And obviously who I was uh, referencing before, Eileen Carroll Wernos, uh, born Pittman, February 29th, 1956, uh, passed away on October the 9th, 2002. She was killed by uh, lethal injection. Was an American serial killer in 18, sorry, 18, 1989 to 1990 while engaging in street prostitution along highways in Florida. She shot dead and robbed seven of her male clients. Wernos claimed that the clients had tried either raped or attempted to rape her and that all of the homicides were committed in self defence. Now, I'm certainly not saying that didn't take place, but I would like to point out that she did have some very severe mental health problems. However, I'm not suggesting for a second that that didn't happen because, as we know, men are historically. Uh, very, very much capable of those things, and I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. However, mm-hmm. I would like to point out as well, though, she was very, very poorly at the time of her execution. And to be honest, she shouldn't have been executed. She was far too old to be on death row. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any interviews with her, Craig. I've seen her She was yes. very poorly. Um, and I mean this all in her defence as well. And she was should that not... ever acknowledged? I think it was acknowledged, but I just don't think they care. They were absolutely important with her. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to another serial killer. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Richard Chase? No. The vampire of Sacramento. Well, he was sentenced to death uh, in, in prison. I think he was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to death on life in prison. I can't remember. Anyway, it's something that we'll put in another episode. Um, but he also was hearing voices and believed that aliens were taking his blood so he had to replenish it by killing other people and drinking their blood. Clearly a very ill man. Mm. And yeah, look how they treated him. So. Yeah. yeah. And one point I just want to focus back on was the first point that mm-hmm. was on there. The idea that, you know, the women that are on death row mm-hmm. are seem to be non-gender conforming. Mm, it's interesting, I, isn't it? I hear more that they are more masculine. Yeah. And that that's interesting. I'm not really sure what that says. Yeah, it is unusual, isn't it? Because I, I know, uh, and this, this isn't really valid what you're saying, I know Eileen Wernos was, portray- uh, was sorry, identified as she was a lesbian. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering, because obviously traditional homophobia, I'm wondering if that's why they were seeing her as non-mas- uh, non-feminine. Possibly. You know, because of, obviously we do know uh, America's very backward in terms of LGBTQ plus laws uh, and portrayals. Um, still is in some ways. It absolutely still is. It's horrific. Especially with that lunatic who just got out being president. Um, Wernos was sentenced to death for six of the murders and on October 2002, after 12 years on death row, supposed to be 10, as I said before, on Florida's death row, was executed by lethal injection. Um, so a very sad story all around. And just a record as well, I Wernos suffered horrific childhood abuse as well. Uh, really, really poor abuse. I'd recommend the film Monster if you've not seen it. It's fantastic. Um, and that's why it's important to look at somebody's history. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like I said, I would not be surprised if she was raped um, because I, I certainly don't want to portray Eileen Wernos as a historical, sorry, hysterical woman. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I think her mental health was in such a state that it could have contributed to... Uh, the situations that she was in in terms of her not being able to comprehend what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And I suppose this really brings us to our final thoughts. Definitely. Would you like to go first? We don't need to. Uh, 
I'm happy to go first. Go ahead. I didn't actually write anything for my final thought no. because I was just going to do it off the top of my head because okay. I, I do things like that. Go ahead. And I just really think that the death penalty is a bad thing overall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it is destructive mm-hmm. of human life, mm-hmm. but also at the same time. I think it's a quick way out mm. and it doesn't really let a person fully reflect mm. on what they've done I am certainly not saying that it's a good thing in any way I'm an abolitionist for that um, but I really feel that capital punishment and corporal punishment even has, has had its day mm-hmm. and I'm very thankful that that doesn't exist Definitely. in the UK or anywhere else, really. Anymore. Well, it exists in quite a few places, but yeah, I know, yeah. I know what you're saying. And just a thought, Callum. I'm wondering if you know anything of the death penalty in Japan. Because I've noticed that somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah so Japan Japan is very active with the death penalty. It's not something they like to use often. It's more for more high-profile cases. Because Japan, I don't know if you know this, Greg, has an extremely low crime rate. But it is used for more, I guess you call media sensational crimes, like serial killers who've been active in Japan or... Uh, certain Yakuza members, particularly that gentleman who killed that English tourist, I can never remember a name in Japan, he was sentenced to death as well. Mm. So it is used, but it's more used for, I'd say, more shocking offences as opposed to, I think Japan are more lenient to doing life in prison. Yeah. But yeah, lots of, you know, South America, Africa, certain Middle Eastern countries still use the death penalty, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah, for me, I often harken back to the book by Damien Eccles, who was one of the West Memphis Three. Have you ever heard of them before? I have. They were three goths, basically, in in Tennessee, Memphis, and they were wrongfully convicted of murders of three young boys because of the way they were dressed. They, they, they were already really? it was already decided before they went in there. People made up false testimonies, and two of them were sentenced to life in prison, and Damien Eccles was sentenced to death row. He suffered horrific abuse in that. I'll, give, I'll lend you the book if I get a chance. Please it's do, brilliant. Yeah. Life after death. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, he suffered horrific abuse and spent many years on death row and was thankfully freed. Um, and he wasn't found not guilty though. He was freed on a technicality, luckily. And he's still classed as technically have done the crime in in the eyes of the law. But he's very much innocent. You know, very mm. much innocent. And it's just a, a damn shame that it's still being used. The death penalty. I think it's about learning from. That people are still being convicted despite of DNA and things like that is still happening. And people are basing decisions on subcultures. Definitely. And, and yeah, just race, views. disability. And mm. one of the people who um, Damon Eccles was with was classed as disabled mentally. Really? Uh, and they forced him into a confession. What kind of disability did we have? I believe some fear, I, I don't quote me on this, but I believe it's a severe form of autism. Uh, so again, within American law, he shouldn't have been on death row or convicted but they've managed to trick him into confessing, basically, and getting him sent down. So, really shocking stuff. Um, but as you know, I'm an abolishist. To me, the death penalty is barbaric. And mm, it is. I, to me, it just brings up the notion, very bluntly, is we're no better than they are. If you're executing people, we're no better. You know, we're taking revenge. And, you know, I'm not saying people don't have a right to believe in the death penalty. It's okay if you do. I've not got an issue with that. But I will never, on a moral sense, ever agree with it. It is so far mm. removed from who I am as a person. And um, mm. too many innocent people die. But I'd recommend that for you, dear listener. If any of the books we recommended, please read Life After Death by Damien Eccles. And this um, this podcast was brought to you, of course, um, by Swanshaw, as you know. Uh, but it was also brought to you by the research of Jay Millwood. 
Rinposh S, mm-hmm. Steinhauer J, and Waxman B, and Westel C, and West LJ. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put all the, the references within the podcast description on the Craig as well. Right? We will. We will. We always do. And if you can think of any other ways or any other things that you would like to see from us at The Therapy Files, please do reach out to us. We are always open to suggestions Definitely, for topics. Yeah. And if you disagree with us, please let us know as well. We'd really love to hear your opinion regardless. We're always up for a discussion and to get people on here. So, yeah, please just reach out. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. And like, except from you, Gary, you can not reach out. We don't like oh, you, Gary. yes, Gary. <laughs> Gary, Gary, What Gary. a groomer. <laughs> and with that... I think we can end the episode. Thank you, everyone.